Welcome to the Air Force Agency in Focus, sponsored by Lidos. Welcome and thanks for joining me. My guest today is retired Air Force Lieutenant General Bill Bender. He's now Senior Vice President, Strategic Account Executives and Government Relations in the Business Development and Strategy Group at Lidos. Lieutenant General Bender, good to have you on. Thanks. It's great to be here with you today. Let's talk about the Air Force and let's talk about where the Air Force is trying to get because you were the Air Force CIO until recently and had a lot of influence and say on where it is heading technologically in terms of software. So maybe let's start with where it's trying to go and what activities the Air Force is undertaking to get to its goal. Sure. I, th I think uh, it's been about two years, but uh, just some of the experiences and, and work that we were doing while I was still in uniform still applies. And so I um, feel comfortable answering or addressing that question. I think at the highest level, uh, the Air Force is uh, remains, uh, you know, very uh, competitive and perhaps the strongest Air Force in the industrial age, only we're not in the industrial age anymore. And so there's a mismatch between sort of the Air Force we built for a different time and uh, the world we're living in today. So that's the problem at the highest level that we're trying to, to resolve. At the same time, there's a host of um, competing requirements when that Air Force very, very uh, could be described as the smallest, busiest uh, Air Force that we've had in our history uh, because it's a nation at war now really for 25 plus years. And so um, they've been working very hard and uh, we have a lot of challenges. And so it's not unique just to the one that I was charged with as the chief information officer. That said, I think that um, probably the the biggest issue that confronted us in the information age of war warfare is this whole notion of cyberspace, um, whether you're trying to operationalize that domain or secure uh, all that you have that is so dependent on um, IT, which is really ubiquitous throughout every mission in every area of the Air Force and not unique to the Air Force, but the other services. So. In many ways, that was the, uh, I used to call it the burning platform to secure the enterprise, if you will, and then to learn how to operate in a new domain of warfare. At the same time, the workforce that the Air Force had uh, really had to, and it's, it's not a small change, it's a transformation required. Uh, it was a, a time when we had a mismatch between the skills and the training that had been uh, given to uh, the force as they came up and uh, the world that they found themselves in. So we were going to have to take on a major training and transformation effort related to the workforce. And then finally, uh, as I mentioned, uh, an old, uh, small, very busy Air Force had IT infrastructure that had to be re uh, capitalized and modernized. And so there was a big effort underway and still is today to actually take on that, what, what I would aptly describe as an enterprise IT modernization effort across the whole Air Force. And I guess this applies really to both the tooth and to the tail, because the world of the doctrine of DOD, of which Air Force is a part, is changing with respect to the threats and the way those threats need to be addressed in the future. And also the tail part, because you have network platforms now that may not have been so closely networked in the past. And so things like anticipatory maintenance, fuel operational 
trends that can be modified to save money and so forth. A lot of those back end tail type of logistics, those are also being tied together through information technology, which in turn saves money and also helps the lethal tooth front. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the the war fighting concepts had to change, not just to be effective in an information space of war, which is one aspect of it, but you know, to, as I mentioned, in the cyberspace domain, uh, securing all these legacy platforms that had not been conceived of in in the environment that they were now in. So a major undertaking to secure, and I think to um, safely operate a legacy force when, uh, you know, would-be competitors uh, or adversaries are very much determined to, having watched us for 25 years, be very effective as a global force to uh, hitting us at the weakest point, which is a standard, you know, principle of warfare. And so for us, that had been a a very IT-dependent enterprise, in the way that we fight uh, an air war and, you know, trying to go after the area where we're least prepared to uh, defend ourselves. So that was the charge. That's a really big insight because the cybersecurity piece of it is not just because everyone needs to be cybersecure, but it's because in many ways the enemy can cause damage without ever firing anything kinetic if they can get at the cyber resources. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we would um, maybe conceive of just one mission set around uh, flying a B-2 aircraft, uh, you know, somewhere across the world where there's a trouble spot and hopefully having the intended effect, whatever that is. Uh, What if it doesn't leave um, Missouri because the fuel depot was uh, somehow cyber attacked and, and, you know, couldn't get the fuel, so... And what does the Air Force have to do to get to that new vision of network-centric and networked and and cyber-secure and all of the other qualities that it needs to have? Well, it ran along a number of lines. I mean, standing up the oversight and management and the funding for, you know, sort of the efforts that had to take place to secure the enterprise, not just our networks, but all of our standalone, you know, platforms and mission networks really across the whole Air Force was a, is a major consideration to just secure what you have. Uh, Secondarily, as I alluded to earlier, I think, you know, an idea of how are we going to fight the next fight in the, in the um, world in which we live. And that really means thinking differently about our constructs. So you mentioned uh, platform uh, in in this case, it's, you know, fifth-gen, sixth-gen fighters, um, you know, sort of all of the way that we've always done this. If you can't depend on them as you have in the past, then you have to reconsider. So what the Air Force has done and I think uh, is very aggressively going after is what would be called net-centric warfare. And it's really the integration between those platforms so that you have sort of a ubiquitous network established. If something goes down somewhere, something else stands up and it's a very sort of um, automated system whereby the networks themselves keep us in the fight. And no single platform is a weak point because the nature of the enterprise has been established in a way that everything is connected, self-forming, self-healing. 
They call that multi-domain command and control, and um, it's the mission set that the Air Force has deemed its number one priority. All right, on that note, we'll take a short break. My guest today is retired Air Force Lieutenant General Bill Bender, Senior Vice President for Strategic Account Executives and Government Relations, Business Development and Strategy Group at Lighthouse. I'm Tom Temin on Agency in Focus Air Force, sponsored by Lighthouse on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Artificial intelligence is often portrayed as a magic wand that will solve everything. But in reality, unlocking the power of AI comes from looking beyond the hype and focusing on thoughtful and realistic problem solving. At Lidos, we're focused on helping our customers adopt AI and machine learning tools with solutions that solve real problems. With a deep understanding of our customers, we're creating reliable, resilient, and secure solutions that look beyond the hype. Learn more at lighthouse.com slash AI. Welcome back. My guest today is retired Air Force Lieutenant General Bill Bender, Senior Vice President, Strategic Account Executives and Government Relations for the Business Development and Strategy Group at Lighthouse. And let's talk about Lighthouse for a minute in terms of its being one of the contractors that needs to change and position itself to be able to offer what large organizations like the Air Force are trying to get to, as you described in the first segment, yeah. this whole idea of net-centric. And, and Yeah, it's an important question, I think, because the um, emphasis needs to be, I, I believe this in uniform and maybe more so now after two years at Lidos, the emphasis on partnering between government and industry writ large really has to um, be reimagined, if you will, because some of the old ways of doing business simply are not not able to, to be successful with the challenge in front of not just the Air Force, but the larger Department of Defense. As the militaries try to uh, transform, I believe that there's going to be a heavier dependence uh, on the uh, industry contractors, the government contractors, and especially like in Lido's case as a systems integrator, as I talked in an earlier uh, discussion around the importance of integrating all of these various platforms. That's true across all of the various domains, air, land, and sea, and even under the sea. And so uh, it's going to take uh, the support of industry in order to make that a successful integration in the, in the big scheme. If I can maybe suggest that what I believe is taking place are three sort of mutually supportive but interdependent transformations across the entire Department of Defense related to IT modernization, doing something with the data that they own, drawing insights from it, and of course we mentioned earlier securing it, and finally um, over time changing and adapting our business processes to actually account for a very new um, domain that is the information domain that they're developing because it's so dependent on software. And uh, software changes almost iteratively in a matter of hours, and some of the rules and procedures and the regulation around our budgeting process, our planning process, our procurement and acquisition process is really built over a long period of time. I'm not saying that you need to throw it out, but you need to reconsider how are we going to do this to account for something that is so rapidly developing and changing. And so 
Uh, as a systems integrator, uh, one of the things that Lidos brings back to the, the government to help in solving this problem is longstanding mission awareness. We've been with the government for 50 years, side by side, working their programs and their uh, mission sets in a way that uh, ultimately, as you start to redefine what that looks like in a software-defined everything environment, you have to understand what are we trying to accomplish and what are the outcomes we're going after. I think uh, it's important to be able to scale. You know, there's a lot of talk today about um, innovation and small startups, entrepreneurial, and there's almost a, I think, a misconception that if you're large and big, then you can't be innovative and nothing could be further from the truth. We're investing a lot of uh, effort and money and and time and um, in our own treasure to develop a workforce that is very much uh, developed for the current environment. And aren't the requirements and the activities changing too? You mentioned systems integration. At one time that meant integrating various hardware components and writing software interfaces. And at the same time, since systems integrators tended to start waterfall development processes for things like logistics or whatever it might be. And then five years later, if you were lucky, usually you weren't, the organization, the agency would end up with a system. It's very different now in the age of data centricity, where maybe you're looking at application programming interfaces instead of writing all the software from from scratch and so forth. So the activities of systems integrators in the agile DevOps age have changed too, haven't they? Yeah, uh, significantly. And I think you're hitting on the most important point because that's a cultural mindset shift and all of the programs and processes that have been very successful in the in the past in major acquisition development programming and, and acquisition uh, in some ways don't apply to a software definition, right? So it's your mention of agile sec DevOps. Uh, that's a, a critical aspect of what we're trying to do. And then also the whole notion of the data and what are you going to do with it first, secure it, but also draw insights so that you can get, you know, smarter, better, cheaper, faster, all of the things that you're trying to do as a government agency writ large, that all has to happen. And a lot of that falls to the business side. So you mentioned earlier front end to back end, but this is a back end issue that government uh, is going to have to do something with their data to actually get better over time. And has the acquisition process, do you think, developed along the same lines so that it can buy those types of services and change culturally? I guess the other question is, as agencies adopt technology business management or TBM, does that help align acquisition and resources with the technical systems you're trying to get to? Yeah, there's absolutely a lot of work taking place uh, across the Air Force, and I'm quite sure across the other services, to now break down some of the functional barriers. So in the past, it may have been, you know, an operator uh, sets a requirement, and then it gets thrown into the acquisition, and, and some number of years later comes out the other side, and you hope that it's, you know, it's right for the requirement that you established. The reality is the environment is so dynamic and changes so fast, and this is where software can be an advantage, but it takes having all of everybody in the room together. So there's a lot of uh, software agile um, development projects underway where the operator and the developer are sitting side by side. And the Air Force, for sure, acquisition process has adapted to that, and they are standing up software factories 
blue suit Air Force people developing modern software under an agile construct with that change in mind. And also a company like Lidos with its large reach as a systems integrator can also probably help the Air Force find those non-traditional and innovative suppliers that often have not been part of government contracting but are pretty much needed now. Yeah, and you're, you're hitting on a really important point there that many in many cases there's uh, commercial either best practices or commercial off-the-shelf um, product solutions and even services that are available to us if we can simply adapt them. So rather than create for ourselves, we take what's working out there in the commercial sector and adapt it to a military application. And uh, in order to do that, it really drives the attributes of the the, the system that you put in place to be acceptable. And, and that's important uh, to be sort of non-proprietary. We can't own this forever. It has to be open to all good ideas and better ways of doing things. And so in a plug and play type of fashion, and I think um, in, in an ideal state, it would be government-owned so that they're not held bound to uh, a particular provider and instead bring in all the good ideas, the best algorithms, and so on. All right, we'll take a short break here. On that note, my guest today is retired Air Force Lieutenant General Bill Bender. He's now Senior Vice President, Strategic Account Executives, and Government Relations in the Business Development and Strategy Group at Lidos. I'm Tom Temin. This is Agency in Focus Air Force, sponsored by Lidos, here on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Artificial intelligence is often portrayed as a magic wand that will solve everything. But in reality, unlocking the power of AI comes from looking beyond the hype and focusing on thoughtful and realistic problem solving. At Lidos, we're focused on helping our customers adopt AI and machine learning tools with solutions that solve real problems. With a deep understanding of our customers, we're creating reliable, resilient, and secure solutions that look beyond the hype. Learn more at lighthouse.com slash AI. Welcome back. My guest today is retired Air Force Lieutenant General Bill Bender, Senior Vice President, Strategic Account Executives and Government Relations for the Business Development and Strategy Group at Lighthouse. And let's talk about some of the specifics that Lighthouse is doing with the Air Force in this new era of agile development and transformation to net-centric warfare. Well, Lidos is in a un unique position as uh, a very large, if not the largest, provider of information technology to the federal government writ large. So we have a lot of lessons learned and a lot of customer intimacy that I talked the importance of that, as well as um, being a very large provider of contracted R&D, research and development. And so the combination of those put us in a position then to know where the problems are and to help with the solutions. And so some of the areas that we're helping uh, in particular are really centered around this whole notion of a software-defined enterprise going forward. We have two uh, well-developed and very mature software factories um, in Morgantown, West Virginia, and again in Charlottesville, Virginia aligned very nicely with the local universities there where we hire the preponderance of their high-tech software developers and, and uh, data science. And what is exactly a software factory versus a room full of coders? 
Not much. It's actually very uh, similar. We use it as a, as a descriptor, but it's really, um, at the end of the day, you are manufacturing good code, secure code, and solving problems through uh, modern software development techniques and procedures. And so you're compiling, testing, and running by the users much more frequently than the old way. Always in an iterative fashion. And so um, code in some programs may be that used to get a refresh on an annual or even a biannual basis are now turning out new code and uh, improvements as required by the operators out there uh, on a some cases hourly, but say weekly or every two weeks. And so a refresh rate that is really game-changing from the perspective of staying uh, competitive and at the top of uh, any given challenge or problem. You mentioned earlier that the coding is coming back into the Air Force, where now airmen are doing coding, kind of a reversal of their policy of outsourcing all of it. How does that work? Because Lidos has programmers, the Air Force has them. Do they work side by side? Yeah, there's a, a lot of partnership taking place. It's a capacity problem. So the Air Force, uh, as well as the other services, are finding the need to develop their workforce so that they have an, uh, a, a capability of software developing, seeing where the future is going, and yet they have not uh, resourced that properly in you know the past couple of decades. And so in many ways, the remaining software developers are in areas where you and I might have, be more familiar, Cobalt, Fortran, and things that are no longer um, really applicable to today's environment, so Agile, SecDevOps. And I'm wondering if at the program level and the mission owner level, the requirements development process has matured along with the switch over to Agile development, because requirements or lack of good requirements or changing requirements as you go along is the big bugaboo in history for many of these large Types of it, transformations. It has, it has been, and that's why it, you know it's more of an opportunity than it is a challenge. Because now you can sit side by side with the operator; they can tell you what how they want this to work, what the problem is that they're trying to solve, and they can iterate side by side with you and make those rapid changes. So the notion of a pristine 200-page requirements document that's thought through every possible problem really doesn't apply in a software-defined environment. And earlier in this interview, we talked about the ultimate goal of all of this activity, which is a more modern and more lethal Air Force in pursuit of the national security objectives of the United States. So are you optimistic that these changes at the lower levels, the operational levels, the concept levels will get the Air Force where it needs to be? I'm very optimistic. I think the Air Force started uh, on a journey uh, some number of years ago, and we continue to improve. I think that the forcing function of all of this is something that they call as their number one priority, the mission, domain, command, and control effort. And it's really a, this whole notion of everything is connected and a new way of warfare. And so Lidos is committed to uh, supporting that because we're a big integrator and nothing happens until you start to connect platform to platform across and through domains. And so this whole concept of M, uh, multi-domain command and control is what's going to make the Air Force successful in the long run as long as they keep that as a priority. I'd like to thank today's guest. It's retired Air Force Lieutenant General Bill Bender, Senior Vice President, Strategic Account Executive and Government Relations for the Business Development and Strategy Group at Lidos. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. 
I'm your moderator, Tom Temin, and you're listening to Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Agency in Focus. Thank you for listening to the Air Force Agency in Focus, sponsored by Lidos on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. 